It's Tuesday, April 26, 2016, and you're listening to episode 397 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. My name's Chad. My name is Pat. What the <laughs> fuck? We did the nipple blade Big check. Announcement. Because you, yeah, now you just change your voice file. Oh like, my God. Just say nipple blades. Nipple blades. How's that? These are right. nipple blades. So I had something I was supposed to tell everyone. Nipple blades. And it was not related to nipple blades. And I don't for the life of me remember what the hell it was. I should have written it down, but I didn't. So tough. If I told somebody I was going to say something on this show or help them promote something i apologize i don't recall i and just you make fun of chris for being old i mean come on well but chris i would understand him for getting shit like this but you know you <laughs> what magic item slot does the nipple blade take <laughs> chest, chest armor, armor? <laughs> no it has I, to be I think we have brooch. a consensus actually yeah. no i think that would be I, yeah it would be the brooch or amulet slot or, that would be yeah. I, that's all the armor no, i see yeah. on so, my, so female in, character. in classic fantasy art a nipple blade on a female character would be a nipple blade and it would be a C10 or whatever. And on a man, a nipple blade would be a C10, oh. but it would be this gigantic, like, Spanish conquistador breastplate. Thank you, Chad. You actually just made me remember what it was. <laughs> Way to go. So, up high. Up high. Uh, oh, I sorry, know that, that that's a, an assist from Chad, but the goal is nipple blades. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll that's true. So yeah. let me tell you. How I got there, and then I'll give the announcement. Oh, All right, settle there. in, folks. Here we so, go. Uh, I was sitting here thinking combat. about how am I going to have to rate or bleep, or do I need to put a warning around this discussion about nipple blades? <laughs> right. And in thinking about I, you that, sh- you should be used to that by now. Anytime I'm on an episode, you should be in the game in the mindset of right. Okay, Pat's on. I have to do some heavy fucking editing. But thinking about editing specifically for rating reminded me that i had to do some rating work to get us listed on google play podcasts that's the announcement so if you don't like itunes but i don't you have an android phone whatever i do google play has now added a section for podcasts and our podcast is in that list so if you would like to pick up Fear the Boot through the Google Play Store, you can now do that. I will put a link to it in the show notes. And Aren't we on like a bunch of stuff? Like we are. SoundCloud, if you, and yes. Bear, Burberry or whatever? In and- fact, if you look in the upper right-hand corner of our website, not on a mobile browser, but the full site, mm-hmm. there's a list of icons up there that will help you find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Twitch, Google Play, iTunes, it's all up there. Mm. But Google Play is now the latest thing we've been added to. So I'll put a link to that directly in the show notes. If you're listening to this at some point where the show notes have scrolled off the front page, just look in the upper right-hand corner of the full version of the website, and you will see a link to Fear the Boot in the Google Play Store. So, Pat, you've contributed to the show. You can either go foul or go to sleep or whatever it is you need to do. <laughs> the sad thing is, is that, you know, the fandom has this perception that I just come on the air and I sit here and I don't ever say anything. The truth of the matter is true. I am talking almost nonstop during an episode. The problem is, is you bleep every fucking thing. I, you don't even believe it. You just cut it all out. So all of my content, boom, it's gone. I do not cut your content out. 
<laughs> that does happen to Chris. <laughs> and all is just and right in the world. Yes. And in fact, there's a sweet justice in the fact that the crossover show we just released, Chris edited it because I told mm-hmm. him I didn't want to deal with a three-ended conversation because it's going to be this editing right. nightmare. So Chris agreed to edit it. And he just posted an apology for how difficult he is to edit. <laughs> it's like, thank you, Chris. You have finally acknowledged something I've known for nine years. Mm-hmm. But anywho... All right, so the topic for today, there's a concept that actually has popped up within our gaming group a few times, Mm -hmm. and it's occurred enough that I think we want to move it from having just mentioned it in passing to actually discussing it. And the topic is having a smaller game that is related to and exists within a larger campaign. Now, one of the totally separate yet related yes separate but related games now where this first popped up was with you guys and your dresden game Mm -hmm. because you had the main dresden game which was more serious and all your deep characters Mm -hmm. but when you had off weeks you would tell stories in the same continuity Mm -hmm. but they were a little bit more cheesy oh it was a comedy game yeah absolutely and it used different characters different player characters yes and it was done using the inspector system. Which is a comedy system. Yeah, which is a comedy system. Yeah. But followed the general continuity and world it was events. set in the same city. Exactly. Same time period, same events. And Chad, you are now talking about doing this again. Yes. With Blaze in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. And then I've got a bunch of things I want to say on this topic. I'll just do the Blades in the Dark part. You can ask me all kind of questions because we haven't done it yet. Right. In Blades. Okay. But we did it a lot in our Dresden game and it worked phenomenally well. So Blades in the Dark, pretty serious game. Uh, I mean, it's it's a game of swashbuckling and high adventure. And we do, just because it's us, we do do some silly stuff here, but there's been some serious gut punches in the game, in the plot and such. There's been times where I've, like, thrown things at the guys, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we're doing it, we're taking it, we're taking it, and then they just stop, like, wow, I am, my jaw has hit the floor, and you have just really tugged at my heartstrings, like, with your girlfriend and the military mm-hmm. aspect of it, I played on that, I uh, played on Wayne's character, there was a ghost of a little girl whose father died, that one of the other gang members, one of the other strays killed her father, but she was a ghost and she's been dead for six years. And she's really, really happy because she gets to meet her father again because he's going to become a ghost and she's begging Wayne not to destroy the body. Because if you destroy the body in this magical universe, destroy the body, then there's no ghost. You annihilate the ghost. But if you leave the body for three days, the ghost comes and she's like trying to get him to not do that. And it was like, normally you'd just be like, no, we have to destroy this body now because ghosts are really dangerous. And then Wayne's like, what am I going to do here? This is really hard thing you're throwing at me. But anyway, like I said, so, so it's pretty serious, but there are occasion, especially this past month where not all the players can make it. Two of our players have been sick. One has bronchitis, one got over a cold, and then when they were ready to come back, they got another cold, and it's just been really, really rough on them. But it turns out that we haven't been able to play for four weeks. So we were kind of throwing around this idea a couple of months ago about, hey, you know, remember in Dresden where we had this side game where it was very, it was all comedy and stuff, and it was set in the same thing? Why don't we can do this here, but with a different gang? 
And it's like my idea is that there's all these gangs are all real serious and stuff. But there's another gang that we made called the Eels. Now, in John Harper's Blades in the Dark, the Eels are a low-level street gang that does smuggling or something like that. But we change them in our game. They're street urchins. They're kids. So this gang goes around their pickpockets and couriers and stuff like that. They kind of work for the other gangs on occasion. And the gangs, when you get to be too old, like 13, 14 years old, they kick you out of the gang. You're too old. It's like Menudo. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go for something a little bit more recent. Say it reminds me of Little Lamplight yeah. from Fallout 3. Right, right. And so the other gangs use them as like a farm league, too. So it's like the ones that get too old, they kind of like get absorbed into the other gangs or, God forbid, take up an honest day's work. So I was like, why don't we do a comedy game set in the city, in the game, with all the events and everything that's going on, only everybody plays kids. We're all eels. Right. We're all like eight. And it's a comedy where we don't like kill people, murder people. There, We're like cut purses and stuff. But you said you had a rule. A ground oh, I, rule. I, for this. I have a lot of ground rules. Okay, so do you have a whole lot of ground rules? Because if so, I want to take a moment to talk about why I like this idea before we start fleshing it out. Yeah, sure. All right. So one of the things that we have noticed historically within the groups that I've been a part of is two weeks seems to be our magic number. <laughs> if we have a game and miss two consecutive weeks, there is a very good chance that game will die. Now, I know this is going to vary from group to group. Some people may only game once a month or once, once every year, six months. Well, yeah, yeah, we've had people write in talking about how they game once a year, mm -hmm. and yet they still have a campaign going on. And that's something else I want to emphasize is what we're talking about here is a campaign that has a lot of detail, a lot of character development, a lot going on in the plot. So there's a lot of things you need to be up on. It's not like an episodic TV show or something kind of low-key where if you put it down for three months and forget everything, it's no big deal. This is something where if you put it down and lose your train of thought, you lose your place, when you pick it back up, you're going to have no idea what's going on. This happens to me with video games all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. If I put down a really involved video game for too long, I have to start it over because I don't remember what the hell I was doing, who the characters were, what was going on. And so we've noticed within our group that two weeks is that magic threshold. You miss two games in a row, and people's minds are starting to wander. They see the new shiny. Well, I, I think more than anything else is that our groups historically, we talk role-playing games. When we get together, we talk about role-playing games because we like role-playing games. So we're always talking about the new game. So our biggest threat is we're playing a game, but we're talking about another game yeah we it's, talk uh, ourselves out of the yeah. game we're playing so you know we missed two weeks yeah you're exactly right two weeks down it's like oh you know we're talking about this other game we haven't played right. this one in two weeks so uh, for the main game you need all your people present and mm -hmm. on task and whatever to make it work and so what happens in these off weeks that might especially if they go on for a while mm -hmm. because of things like back-to-back -back illnesses or other yep. things you can't control might kill the game I think there's a great opportunity in taking that same setting, those same general characters at the world level. I don't mm -hmm. mean the same player characters. Maybe the player characters are there in the background. Yeah. They're mentioned in passing. But it's these little things that just sort of keep it fresh on your mind. It mm -hmm. keeps it from being 
dumped out it's of the, the momentum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the momentum it's it's keeps you from dumping the recycle bin in your brain. <laughs> you still have those ideas, but you intentionally pick a game that's lower on the requirements. Well, it doesn't matter if everybody's present. It doesn't yeah. matter how serious it is. It doesn't have a deep continuity. From the game master's perspective, it's very important. I feel for it to be low to no prep. Inspectors is a no prep game because it's a well, somebody tells me, well, I want to do this. Okay, you roll some dice, and then the game master looks at him, and you ask the player, okay, what happens? You tell me well, what is going on. And so, I think it makes sense to have it that way, mm-hmm. because if you're doing this in your downtime, obviously something's already gone wrong. Right. And maybe what's wrong is the player's out with sickness. Maybe what's wrong is the game master is not feeling it. Mm-hmm. And so the game master needs something lower key they can run or even something they can push off to somebody else to run simply to keep the idea alive. So are we talking about someone else's game mastering or you're running Blades in the Dark and then you say, OK, guys, we're taking a break from the main Blades in the Dark story. Now we're going to run an Eels game and I'm going to game master that using or is Wayne just going to jump in and he's going to game master Inspector's and you're going to play one of the eels. It, you know, I think as advice, it, it varies from group to group because... And it could be either. Most people I've talked to, now this is totally unscientific here, most groups tend to only have one game master. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's going to kind of answer that question. Our group is blessed with three and a half game masters right. because Dawn thinks she can't, but she runs awesome games and we're really trying to get her to run one. In our Dresden game, Wayne ran the Dresden game. Because he is like this game mastering savant, right? And I gave the Golden Goose example a while back. The whole reason we started that was not because people weren't showing up, but because this was the greatest game we had ever played. And it was the Wayne was the Golden Goose and we needed to treat him very lightly so he didn't disrupt <laughs> his flow. Wayne mentioned, probably like he does very casually offhanded ways, like, man. I'd really like to play a game. I've been running this for a while. And then so I was like, oh, my God, we have to do something because he's going to want to start playing and he's going to want to stop running the game that we love. So I came up with this idea. It's like, why don't I run a game? But we'll still do it in Dresden and we'll do do it in St. Louis because we were running our Dresden game in St. Louis. From there, I think Beth ran a game and I ran a game. I think Wayne might have even ran a game of the sub. And we didn't. Ha- I don't think we had a name for it. Uh, but the ran the sort of sub comedy game. Yeah, and this is I, something that you can see not only in role playing games, but it's already going on with TV shows. Yeah. Where when they're between seasons or even in the season, but just between episodes, mm-hmm. they'll have a podcast with the people that are on the show. The Talking yeah. Dead is probably mm-hmm. the most obvious example. Battlestar Galactica did the same thing. I don't remember the name of that show, but they had a little web series going Mm -hmm. that was between seasons or between episodes. Just to keep the ideas, keep the continuity alive in the mind of the audience so they didn't lose their place. They didn't lose their interest. Mm -hmm. So, Chad, what are some of the ground rules that you have when you do this? Because you said you had some. and. Well, I like I said, I, I I came up with this idea because I was so afraid of Wayne saying, well, I'm just burnt out, guys. I really want to play a game and to stop running Dresden. I mean, that that was the goal. Dresden keeps going. That is the design feature of this whole game. So I made some ground rules of a the the current game master doesn't run it, or at least at first somebody else runs it so that that way the game master can get a chance to play and that they can get out there. 
The second thing is, is that it has to take place in not just the same universe, right? It has to take place in the game we're playing. So everything is connected because we have to keep the momentum going. Right. So all the events that the players are dealing with, these big earth-shattering events, are happening around the sub-game. Right, because if you have your Dresden game in St. Louis, and it focuses heavily on the culture and the landmarks of St. Louis, and then you have a side inspector's game in Hong Kong. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well, it's a different game. Yeah, you're not going to keep your place. You're not going to have those little bits of memory jogging. Well, and and if like a big demon comes up and swallows the Gateway Arch, well, that I wanted to have happening in the background. So there's an anime... Oh, God, I forget what it's called, but it's it's this anime about these two alien girls who come to Earth and uh, or one of them is like Superman's daughter, but it's kind of in the background. Anyway, the plot of the anime is these two girls try to get to school, but one of them has the powers of Superman. What is going on is a massive alien invasion of millions of ships bombing the Earth. The Earth military fighting them, and the Earth military has all these mecha and stuff, but that's not the point. The point is these two girls trying to get to school, and the one with the Superman powers gets so pissed off that she starts throwing buildings into the alien ships so that she can get to school because they're trying to stop her by bombing Tokyo. So let's take this back to Dresden. What I mean by that is that our main game had all of these big, heroic, life-changing very obvious stuff going on, but our inspector's game was about a group of schlubs. I mean, they're a group of real wannabes. They're just trying to get to school. Yeah, they're just right. trying to get to school. They are paranormal investigators, and all of this crazy shit that should have their complete, total attention is there in the background. They don't deal with it. I never tell them not to deal with it, but they don't deal with it. But it's there. It's part of the background. Yeah, and if and, I was to use that anime as you described right. it, I've not seen this, but as you described it, what it actually kind of reminded me of is the role-playing game, Necessary mm-hmm. Evil. Yeah. Because the setup of Necessary Evil is that aliens invade the Earth, and all the heroes, Justice League, Avengers, mm-hmm. and whatever, they get together, go and fight them, and get wiped out. And so all that's left is the supervillains. And I think you could describe that anime within the context. Let's imagine it's a necessary evil game. The main game that you're playing, the big, serious, ongoing campaign. The game is co- or the anime is called Project Aiko. Oh, Project. Okay, that's, that's an yeah. older one. Oh, it is really old. Okay. Yeah. All right. But if we imagine this as a necessary evil game, the main campaign is about the Earth military maybe working yeah. with some supervillains to try and fight these aliens. And that's the one where you need everybody there and involved and serious. There's all yeah. this detailed stuff going on. And the sub game is about Captain Boomerang trying to break into a bank to steal Boomerang. Well, it's about, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what it reminded me of is from the new 52. It's Power Girl and Huntress from Earth yeah. 2 trying to get to school. Right. And <laughs> there's all this during the alien invasion. Right. They're not dealing with the alien invasion. Mm-hmm. It's just this silly side story yeah but it still is occurring and so if in the main plot you have something about well we're about to build the giant scorpio mm-hmm. cannon yeah that's this guy's been trying to build for decades anyway and superman keeps stopping him but superman's dead now because yeah. of the aliens 
Now we're building it with the U.S. military to shoot down the fleet, and that's getting built in the background of these two girls trying to get mm-hmm. to school. And so that never leaves the player's mind. Yeah. You know, they still exactly. have their being. Rem- it, it serves two purposes. One, it keeps the momentum going. But two, it's also really funny. And that's the whole thing is because you have the, the contrast makes the humor. That you see all this stuff in the background that the B team is totally ignoring. Well, and I think it's a great opportunity for the Game Master because the Game Master gets a chance to really play around in the world. Mm-hmm. To do things yes. that don't have to be serious. To try tweaking things or, or revealing little side things. The B side type mm-hmm. material just to see what sticks. And if the Game Master's paying attention... What the players are doing mm-hmm. in this game may tell you a lot about their interests. If somebody else is game mastering it, yeah. you really start to get their understanding of what they think is going on in the world. One of my other ground rules was the two team. We'll call them an A team and a B team. B team's the comedy one. A team is the main plot. The A team and the B team never meet. They never, ever, ever encounter each other. While we're doing the contrasting thing, and while we're set in the same universe and same city and same game, it's different tracks. It's it's different genres. One is a drama that has some comedy elements and some romance and is really epic, and the other is pure comedy. So when the two meet, they don't blend well, and it's it's cheesy. But the members of the A team and B team see the effects that both teams make. Now, how we did this in Dresden is, of course, again, with the background and the contrast and stuff, so we know how the B team sees the A team. They don't know them, but they see the effects, the ripples they cause in the world. The A team has a favorite TV show, and it's called Dark St. Louis. And it is a cable access, 3 o'clock in the morning, TV show about paranormal happenings in St. Louis. Hosted by Robert Stack. No, (laughs) hosted by not interested. (laughs) It is completely like they don't get it right. The the TV show has no clue that any of the real magical stuff exists. And they're chasing around all of the crazy, stupid, paranormal stuff. When the A team watches this. So so Wayne would go in chapters and he would usually open a chapter or close a chapter with the entirety of the A team at someone's house at three o'clock in the morning with pizza. What do you mean at someone's house? Well, at your house. house. It's always at your house. The only one who always has money. That's true. And we would be watching Dark St. Louis and then Wayne would play out the scene of our B team characters being interviewed as the whack jobs that they are. <laughs> and wow, we that's would fantastic. Even, we would even play out our characters acting out an interview for the A team through the TV. It was so meta and so amazing. Yeah, and I think <laughs> you can certainly do that. Make a lot of callbacks either direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So long but as it's never not... direct connection. I yeah. never think that would work. Right. Well, and once again, I mean, if they're part of the reason you're doing this is because of the fact that mm-hmm. something's already gone wrong with the A-team game, yeah. then you don't want to forward yeah. the plot there. You don't want to start integrating it mm-hmm. because you're doing the B-team game because something's already wrong yeah. with the A-team and, game. And like you said, you know, I was thinking when you're saying, you know, there's something wrong with the A-team game, that's absolutely right. But wrong is not an off-on switch, right? Wrong, it, something's going wrong does not mean the game is trashed. You know, maybe you need to let it cool down for a bit. 
maybe the game got really dramatic and really serious and everyone's like, whoa, and they're all spun up and man, my character's really down. I don't know if this character's going to survive. And the game master's like, okay, we're going to start a new chapter. And I really left you guys on a big cliffhanger and everyone's all spun up. Let's decompress. Let's do a session where we just have some crazy fun with the B team. Or maybe, again, the game master is like, okay, guys, I've been running this high-intensity game for six months now. I really need to play. I really need to not run this so I can kind of recharge the mental batteries and, and then continue on the plot. So I think that it's a really good idea, like you said, when something's going wrong, sometimes the fix for a game going wrong is to just kind of take your hands off of it for a little bit. But we still want to continue the momentum of the game. Another one of my ground rules, too, is remember in the Dresden example, Wayne run, ran the game. That was his game. Nobody else ran that game. Right. Dresden game had a lot of different chefs in the pot. You know, there's a lot of us running it. So Wayne even ran it. I ran it. Beth ran. I think Dawn might have run one. I don't remember. We were all running it. So when you have a big city that you're running in, where a big city is the setting or a bit large space is the setting, there's a lot of undeveloped areas, right? So when you go to those areas, suddenly they're developed. You're exploring them. You're thinking about them. As a game master, when you ran a B-team game and you developed an area that wasn't touched by the Dresden A-team game, you handed that area over to Wayne so he could use it. An example would be there was a high school, a specific high school that really existed in St. Louis. And I think it was Cleveland High School. Yeah, it was Cleveland High School because that's where my dad went to high school. That's why I uh, used it in the game. But Cleveland High School is a very, very old high school. It's ROTC, I think now. And it was never touched. Wayne never did anything with it. Probably didn't even know it existed. The only reason I knew it existed is because of my dad. In the B-team game, I made Cleveland High School the setting for a haunted happening. They, The principal of Cleveland High hired our schlubs to go and figure out what was going on in the high school. It was haunted. And so they had this adventure in the middle of the night in this haunted high school. So we did it. We wrapped it up. It was done. And because these guys are completely incompetent, the high school is still, of course, really haunted, and they didn't really change anything. So the high school... <laughs> It's handed over to Wayne. I don't think Wayne actually ever did anything with it, but now Wayne can use it. If he needed a haunted establishment, he has one now. Suddenly it got developed and it's there. It's a tool in his toolbox if needed. But see, that usually didn't happen with that group because right. most of the time there's nothing to hand over. No, we, we burn it to the ground. Our philosophy for b team was blow it up yes and burn it to the ground yep. that that's was, how we that's how we solved most all of our yeah. issues <laughs> these, ashes, house, these ashes aren't haunted yeah. now yeah, exactly <laughs> right haunted house well with fire yeah why not using real st louis history it worked with coke hospital i know right <laughs> you know fire was kind of our play yeah. for the b team yeah, coke yeah. Hospital, which is very dresden right right yeah. it yeah. was actually kind of our play for the a team as well so yeah this is true yeah but yeah, I think as far as like ground rules, that was it. I mean, it's the purpose is the two games mingle but never touch. The game master shouldn't be running it, although he did because he was really getting into it. Keep momentum going. Use them as a contrast, but make the A team's game a bigger contrast. Make the B team's game 
minor Easter eggs or hints. Did you ever feel like you were running the risk of the B team game taking precedence and being the more important game than the no. A team game? Because of, or even if not more important, simply the more enjoyable game. Right. That, and, and I guess I should probably have phrased this differently. Yeah. The the game that actually harnesses and steals the momentum of the play. Well, I certainly did. It becomes the new shining. I can see how that could happen easily with this example that we're giving, but in our game, no, it didn't. I mean, it, Mm -hmm. it simply didn't. And that was just a testament to how much we love the, the, you know, the regular Dresden game. That's maybe another good point of thought. If you're going to try to do something like this, you know, if you've got a game that you're maybe on the fence about and you do this, as a game master, you should probably be prepared for your players to maybe like the new game better because it's the new shiny. Right. So so that's a... Yeah, the competition, though, in, in this situation, it was not very heavy. The Dresden game, established characters, there were people who had multiple characters. There were people who had multiple NPCs that they made to attach to their character mm-hmm. to give to Wayne for him to use. Plots were multi-chaptered, layered consistent in pcs life changing events happened characters evolved and changed over time the sweat lodge was amazing <laughs> characters evolved and changed over time characters died it was a really deep interesting i don't want to say was is a really deep and yeah, interesting game we, we have to wait for jim butcher to write an, another dresden book that's what spurs wayne to oh, run these games there you go. he writes a dresden book wayne reads it and he's like oh my god i have ideas so were there, but, faster than Martin. but the b team games were one shot inconsistent yeah populated by really not very capable people and you've got to go into it knowing yeah. what it is exactly. Yes. I mean, you have to be very upfront. Oh, I say, totally laid this all this is, out. Yeah, and we did. And yeah. we all, the total group had buy-in of, mm-hmm. yes, this is a one-shot, blow off some steam, fun game, what it is. It's not, and, it's, yeah. and it never was. I think they were all one-shots. Maybe yeah. some of the rotating people, it might have carried over a, a, an additional week. I don't remember. Yeah. But pretty much it's like, this is just The plot line of the Dresden it. game was like reading a book. That went on and on. The B team game was like an episode of Cheers. It was great. Yeah. One episode that had nothing to do with any of the other episodes. So, were there obvious pitfalls that you noticed that you fell into or that you avoided? You know, any other no, any other advice? No, we, we were great. And I could say that honestly. You know, I, yeah, I, I mean, think we did. That actually, that is, it, it yeah. went very well. That <laughs> is an interesting question that yeah. may merit maybe not a full episode, but a follow up on mm-hmm. this is life being what it is. Yeah. When something goes wrong, I'd love to hear oh, yeah. what that pitfall was so we can tack that on to the advice we're giving of, okay, here's where it went off the rails or yeah. came mm-hmm. close to going off the rails. That said, I'm certainly glad mm-hmm. to hear that so far yeah. it has served its purpose without having any significant potholes. Well, I think a big part of that, though, too, is is like what Chad said in the very beginning that you might have forgotten by this point in listening to the episode <laughs> is that it was a different setting. I, I'm sorry. It was a different system. Yeah. We totally were not using the Dresden system. Files rules. We were playing inspectors in the Dresden Files universe yeah. as the backdrop, but we were not playing Dresden. Okay. 
So that's a that's yeah, a huge that thing. Today, yeah. So we're not. So that's why that's one. I mean, inspectors is relatively easy oh, yeah. for things to go. I mean, things can go spectacularly bad, but that's kind of the fun of it too. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's I think why you're doing. You know, it's 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 a different system, and it's made for that way. So it's it caters to that very well. Yeah. If I, we were trying to play the same thing to the Dresden rules, mm-hmm. whole oh, no. other ball game nope. wouldn't nope. have worked. Yeah. Wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah. We would have had to put. <laughs> this is going to sound counterintuitive. If we would have done this in fate, if we would have done our B game in fate, which is the Dresden system, we would have had to think about and put too much thought into our characters. Mm-hmm. We would have had to invest too much of ourselves into these silly sh- characters. The example, too, is my character, I've gone on about him in the past. He was a bridge troll, and his father was a fae and the summer court, and his mother was an insane woman. And, you know, they had a kid, and at age 13, he kind of became a troll, and there was, like, all these problems. And the character was mean but loyal. He was a troll. He was mean but loyal. and But he was also very internally conflicted, and he was really deeply deeply sad even though externally he was the joker and 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 the happy guy made you laugh and sort of stuff but internally when when the other character started digging deep in him he was really a tragic sad character that i have no idea what that's like (laughs) that nothing nothing ever went right for so but irony so my other character in the b game was an old guy and he was a guy who, now this is Dresden Universe. Magic is real, but nobody knows about it. He was James Randi guy. He wrote books debunking magic, debunking a mystic thought and all this sort of stuff. He was a total rationalist, right? And he was famous. He was a famous author writing all these books until something happened to him that involved magic. And he became a believer. But... He still needed to make money, so he still kept writing books about debunking magic. Hmm. But he also joined this paranormal investigators group with Pat's character. Now, Pat, in the Dresden game, you were playing this 200-year-old or 150-year-old guy yeah. uh, so, who had well, like given his service over to this immortal goddess who granted him immortality, but he has to serve her and... It was, you know, he lived for all these years and all these people died. You know, they die of old age. He has no friends. And, you know, it's a it's a sort of tragic character, but you weren't really depressed about it. And you were is difficult for you to open up to people and stuff It's a very interesting character. But tell us about your B team character. Well, so, <laughs> so my B team character was a super fan of Supernatural. So the TV the, show, the t- yeah, to, so, yeah, to the show Supernatural, to the point where my character bought one of the cars that was used, actually used on the Supernatural show. So they bought because you know, they've got like I think there's like twelve or thirteen of them. There's very many models that they use for that car. So he bought one, has that car with everything in the trunk mm-hmm. too. He got the stuff that's in the trunk. He bought Dean's outfit, and he wears Dean's outfit. So he's basically Dean in the Supernatural car as. Yeah, the he, sort of as he the, doesn't care one lick about any actual real paranormal stuff, except he's a Dean super fan who fights supernatural stuff and he's trying to emulate yeah. them in real life. So I'm a hunter. Yeah. So it's yeah. basically just a guy with a restraining order. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, but, it's yeah, awesome. But to, awesome. to roll it back, you know, are, were there any pitfalls? 
the contrast between the two games was so huge that it would take a concerted effort to fall into a pit. To, right, because the, the, the mood of yes, each game are so divergent. Yes. Right. Yes, by design. Mm-hmm. And that really, really worked well for us because the whole point was to blow off steam, be a lighter game, make sure the golden goose still produces the golden egg and, yeah. you know, keep it going, keep the momentum going. See, now I'm curious, and it's a topic for another show, mm-hmm. but now I'm thinking, do I want to run one shots with pre-generated characters in my current campaign that then the results mm-hmm. of that, you know, whether it impacts the further storyline or whether it just gives the PCs or the actual, I'm sorry, the players at the table, the opportunity to experience the world from a different yeah. perspective. But that's a whole, you could do something thing. kind of silly and yeah. one off like that. Like yeah. uh, next week, a couple of people are going to be out. So whoever shows up, you guys know that bunch of guards you killed last game. Yeah. We're going to play their lives <laughs> in the two days leading up to that moment. And the game session will end with you getting killed by the party. <laughs> I, think, see, I think that's fun. And I, yeah, there you fun. go. You get to see the inside of the evil organization. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and That would be hilarious. And suddenly feel really guilty about this. <laughs> Man, only two days to retirement. <laughs> I'm totally playing that guy. You know, I another great way to do this, too, is if you're playing a superhero campaign. You're playing some epic, oh, gigantic, yeah, <laughs> and, and then you could play the sidekicks yeah. who always get left behind. Or you could play, you know how there's like Superman never goes down to street level. He never did. Like you could play those two. You could play superheroes, but they don't really have, they can't fly. They don't have like keto vision or whatever they, but they can stop a mugger. Yeah. And, but the main game is Superman dealing with dark side. Ant-Man, Lois Lane getting coffee. Right. That's the, that's right. the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, one potential pitfall we did come up with while we were kicking this around is you do want to be careful that game B isn't somehow destructive to the feel yeah. of game A. Let's say, for example, that game A, it's not just a serious and structured game, but it's meant to be like a really deep Lovecraftian mm-hmm. psychological horror game. Yeah. Kicking over to do inspectors in that same <laughs> universe, it might be a great tangent to blow off steam, or it could change up the world in such a way that you never see the first world the same way yeah. again. I, the example comes to my mind is there have been several times I've watched a movie and then watched the making of, mm. yeah, and it destroys the movie for me. Because now every time they show something that before was completely convincing to me, it's no longer convincing. Yeah. I see all the zippers and wires and stand-ins and whatever else was going on. And so I think you do need to be careful because I can come up with a handful of games where if you didn't have a really strong separation, mm-hmm. I think the introduction of something that is shallow or yeah. is off the cuff or a bit slapstick or disorganized could theoretically torpedo the feel of the original game i think like call of cthulhu or a mythos of a serious mythos game would really be like that i mean you're talking about you see a skeleton and your mind starts breaking at the reality getting rended away from you of like this thing is dead and everything i knew is crumbling before me and oh my god that not only is the skeleton dead, it's my dead mother and, oh, you know, oh, crap. And it's it's like this really serious sort of game. And then next week, one of your players 
you know, eat some bad Mexican food. And so they're out. And so you're like, okay, well, let's lighten things up a bit. You know, it's like, now it's dancing skeletons. <laughs> and the Benny Hill music's yeah, playing. Benny yeah, Benny Hill music. And it's just like, you know, suddenly the skeleton, the dead skeleton of your mother, when you come back the week after that, it just uh, doesn't have that yeah. punch is gone. It's the difference between watching the outtakes of a horror movie after the fact. Yeah. And them just simply interspersing it throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think your A, a games can be too serious i think another pit you know you're asking for pitfall stuff i think that if you were doing a a game that is has a lot of comedy elements to it maybe not like total comedy like paranoia or something but has a lot of humor and lightheartedness to it and then your b game's like okay well we're gonna do something different we're gonna look at the serious side of my little pony <laughs> and you you really really actually do in fact get into the serious side of the darkness of my little pony and you somehow pull it off suddenly the a game's not really gonna be that interesting anymore i don't think yeah you know it's i don't know i i think that always when they did the you know the very special episode of, of <laughs> blank it was a standalone and it didn't yeah. detract from the funniness of the rest of the of the series yeah, yeah. I have yeah. Just, just a matter of personal preference. I would want to go from a game being the detail oriented, yes. long term, hardcore game, mm -hmm. and the B game being the slapsticky pressure release. Yes, that's yes. the direction that I would prefer because I I think that that serves the purpose too. Right. You know, again, momentum, pressure release, give the main game time to cool down, deal with any problems that are going on, people heal up, whatever. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up here. So once again, check the show notes for a link to Google Play. If you have an Android device or just don't like iTunes in general, mm -hmm. uh, it certainly does as a podcaster make me happy to have <laughs> another 800-pound gorilla entering the room because the way that we podcasters have been so beholden to iTunes for so long mm -hmm. has been a bit stifling at times. Though they have generally been benevolent dictators. But nonetheless, anyway, check the show notes for that. Everything else. Hey, join us on Warframe on the PC. Oh, yeah. Warframe on the PC. Free to play game. Clan is growing and doing things. It's actually pretty fun. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. If you're interested in checking out Warframe. You know what's fun? Uranus. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say nipple blades. Nope. <laughs> we need those in the yes. show notes. <laughs> we have. Dan, Dan and I ran around in Uranus as ninjas all <laughs> yes. last night. We got deep inside of Uranus. Yes. So. My, my anus has stink gnomes, according to my wife. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. Come, for... come join us in Warframe. Find out what Uranus is all about. Yes. <laughs> Learn all about Uranus. So thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. In Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com. <laughs>